Well, what's up, fam? Do me a favor. Just tell the person on your right and left, say, you are so blessed. No, say it like you believe it. Say, you are so blessed. You get to sit next to me today. Come on, tell them. You are so blessed. You get to sit next to me today. What up, fam? I want to welcome each of you. Can you believe it? To part six of this seven-part series that we're in called Redefined. We've been looking at the true definition of success. And a great big welcome to those of you that are joining us online. I want you to grab your Bible or your Bible app, or how about the Calvary Church app? Not only is the Bible there, but also notes and all of the scriptures. And I want you to go with me, please, to Proverbs 22. We're going to hang out in Proverbs this week and next week, Proverbs 22, and I want to read verse number one, Proverbs 22. And while you're going there, I just want to give a thank you to this house. Calvary Church, for over 60 years, has not only been a local church, but it has been a regional church. The fact of the matter is, Calvary Church is not only a national church, but an international church. And I want to say thank you for allowing me and my wife to represent you all over the country. Last week we were invited to a great church in Seattle, Washington, where we were asked to preach for the 20th anniversary of Rock Church, which is an incredible church in the Pacific Northwest. And every time we go preach, I want you to understand that we do not go and do it for ourselves. We go and we represent this house everywhere we go. And then we flew Sunday evening to uh, Los Angeles where we had meetings for two or three days. We did four gospel circles and God opened a very unique door. I'm not going to get into all of it today. But God brought 15 of the top worship songwriters in America together to spend two days with me and Kim where we taught the gospel and then after we taught, they would go and they would write music. And some of the most incredible songs came out of those two days. And then in Riverside, California, we had a very large gospel circle. Then we had another one in LA downtown, actually right in Beverly Hills and Bel Air, um, a, a building was given to us to use whenever we go. And it's absolutely amazing to see people from the entertainment industry come to hear the gospel. It's absolutely awesome what's happening. I can't wait to tell you more about it. But uh, everywhere we go, we represent you. I want you to know that we go and we talk about you. We represent this house. And people are so thankful for Calvary Church and this message going everywhere. And I just want you to get a little look at what happened uh, this past week, for the past few days. Take a look at the big screen and check this out and know how grateful we are for you.
clap your hands and give Jesus praise. Come on. And by the way, if you are not a part of a gospel circle in your city, they're opening every month. And by the way, you can use the Calvary app to find a gospel circle in a city near you or coming to a city near you. Most of them go on Monday night. So tomorrow night, I hope that you find a gospel circle and bring your friends and uh, look for the times and locations everywhere. But they're going to be in cities everywhere. And I love what God's doing in and through this church. Can I get a good yes? Y'all ready for God's word? Proverbs 22, verse number one. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Everybody read it with me. Ready? Read. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Take one of your hands, set it on your heart. Say it out loud. Say, eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to receive, a mouth to confess. All of the good things Christ has already provided for me. So we've learned during this series that God wants success for us. The fact of the matter is he wants success for us in every area of our lives. But I think the tension resides in the fact that we don't always define success the way God defines success. How many of you know we got earth's point of view, but we need heaven's perspective? How do you define success? I think it's a simple question with an elusive answer. You might think success is defined by how you look. You might think success is defined by what you have. You might think success is defined by who you know. Now, I've already taught you in this series that these are false measurements of success. What if God doesn't connect success to any of that junk at all? What if his definition of success is determined, watch this, by who you truly are in Christ? By who you are. So we've really been dealing with your Christian character. We've been dealing with your Christ-likeness. I thought that as I close this series out, I would deal with something that I have never dealt with, I think in all of my years of ministry, what the Bible has to say about your reputation, about your name. This past week, Kim and I were ministering in the west coast and we were in LA and we were driving through the city and we happened to drive past an old cemetery it was the kind that was overgrown with weeds it looked like a horror movie graveyard it had those headstones that stood up real high I'm not talking about the ones that 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 were flat but as we drove by slowly we could see some of the epitaphs and it was interesting to see the headstones of, of people over a hundred years ago. And you want to know what I was reminded of when I drove by it was this. I was reminded of the fact that everybody wants to be remembered for something. That right there is a fact of life. Everybody wants to be remembered for something. 
So today as we begin to land this plane, as we begin to finish this series, Redefined, dealing with, with God's definition of success, I want us to begin to look at how to make a name for yourself and what the Bible has to say about that, about what? About reputation, about Christian character. Because I'm gonna tell you, in this crazy world that we live in, in our world, you can make a name for yourself. Did you know you could make a name for yourself in a million and one different ways? All you have to do is do what I did this past week. Just Google Guinness World Records. You can make a name for yourself. If you swallow the most goldfish, you can make a name for yourself. If you've got the longest mustache, you can make a name for yourself. Are y'all getting this? There was somebody in there who had the most consecutive sneezes, made a name for himself. Whatever, as long as you've done the most of or the fewest of anything, it's like you can make a name for yourself. Did you know you can make a name for yourself in social media? You can be a TikTok star, you can be insta-famous. Watch, y'all. You don't even have to be skilled. You can just say something stupid. And you got notoriety. Catch me outside, how about that? Catch me outside, how about that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Matter of fact, all you have to do is just show some part of your body naked, twerking. You can make a name for yourself. Go viral. You can go viral. Matter of fact, I had one of my videos a couple years ago go viral. I don't know if you've seen the preacher at Starbucks ordering Starbucks with, with, his, with his hoop app. I looked at that thing the other day. It had a million point four views and I'm telling you, I didn't get a dime from that stupid thing. Glory to God. <laughs> Who are these people? I turn over letters for a game show. Vanna White made a name for herself. How about this? I immortalized The moonwalk. Michael Jackson made a name. Are y'all getting this? There's going to be a fight on this one. I'm the greatest basketball player of all time and one of the most effectively marketed athletes of my generation. Michael Jordan made a name for himself. Are y'all getting this? You can make a name for yourself. But here's my question. What kind of name are you making for yourself? The Bible says that having a good reputation is important. In fact, did you know, and I want to make this very clear, that in the book of 1 Timothy, it says that one of the qualifications for spiritual leadership is to have a good reputation. 
As a matter of fact, I would say any kind of leadership in your life, a good reputation. It's important to make the right kind of name for yourself. Our theme verse, Proverbs 22, 1 says what? A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Can I tell somebody that self-worth is more important than your net worth? It's better to have a good name. Talk to me, somebody. It's better to have a good reputation. I'm waiting. Talk to me, somebody. It's better to have good character than to be a millionaire. I'd like to be a millionaire with good character. Come on, somebody. That's true success. That's, that is success. We're talking about success from heaven's perspective. I thought about Ecclesiastes 7 verse 1. It says that a good reputation is better than the most expensive perfume. Wow, it costs more too. You can smell good, but if your name, your reputation does not match your smell, it does not matter. It's important to have a good name. Calvary Church has had a good name. And this week and next week, I want us to look at the scriptures, particularly we're going to look at the book of Proverbs, which by the way um, is, is the book of wisdom. We're going to see what the Bible has to say about how you earn the respect of other people. Don't you miss what I just said. I said how you earn the respect of other people. I didn't say God. I said other people because you should be growing in favor with God, yes, and men. But Proverbs is the book of wisdom. It was written, did you know, by the wisest, wealthiest, most successful, most powerful man in history. His name was King Solomon. And six times in his book, it tells us that if you do certain things, if you have certain characteristics in your life, you are going to have the respect of other people. And I'm telling you, as I'm declaring over you promotion and increase and blessing, let me tell you, God's going to use some people in your life to bring it, and I want you to be people who are respected. And the bottom line of what I want to say today and next week is that the Bible says that the key to a good reputation, you may want to write this word down, it's a word we don't talk about much, but it's a word called character. Character. What's character? I'm talking about your inner desires. I'm talking about your drives. I'm talking about your motivations. I'm talking about your convictions. I'm talking about the beliefs that motivate you to act, that motivate you to respond in a certain way. Let me say it like this. Character is what's on the inside. That's why I preach Christ-like character. What's on the inside has got to work its way to the outside. How many of you know I told you we're moving to the next dimension of grace from saving grace to empowering grace? Many of you know what you've been saved from, but my question is, do you know what you've been saved for? It's time for you to begin to work out what God has already worked in you and if you believe it clap your hands and give God praise and somebody say yeah, yeah. come on say it like little John say yeah. yeah okay 
character is what's on the where inside. Somebody said, reputation is what other people think you are. Don't miss this. Character is what you really are. Okay, y'all don't want this today. Character is what you are in the dark. Image is what I create on this platform. Character is who I am when nobody's looking. You may think you know me because you see me for 45 minutes, one time or two times or three times or four times a month. You may think you know me because you see an image of me on social media, but the reality is, watch this, you don't know anybody until you get a glimpse of their character, who they are, watch this, when nobody's around. That's all right, I ain't gonna get much clapping today, I don't really care. I'm gonna keep preaching. I tell our team all the time, I thank God the greatest gifts in this house are not gifts that, that carry a microphone. The greatest gifts in this house are people that you never know. The greatest people in this church are people who give and nobody even knows who they are. The greatest people in this church are the people who serve and you never see them and they serve and they faithfully serve and they're serving our children and they're serving our city and they're serving and nobody knows their name and they serve. Those are the greatest people. And you know what I tell people who are, who are privileged to carry a microphone in this house? That carrying a microphone is a privilege and the moment that, the moment that you waste that privilege, it's going to be stripped from you. Don't you take it lightly. Because one of the things that I don't want is a bunch of managers who are managing their image but don't care about their character. Who they truly are when nobody's looking. And we have built great works on very weak foundations. Where's character? Character is what you have left when you've lost everything there is to lose and the only thing you have left is your character. And you know what my pastor taught me years ago? He said it takes a lifetime to build a good reputation. Watch this. But it only takes a second for you to lose it all. The Bible says the bottom line in the Christian life is to have Christ-like character. When I preach this gospel, the reality is we are becoming more and more like Jesus. Our minds are being transformed. We are bearing the fruit of the Spirit of Christ. Don't just talk about it. Walk it out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I'm tired of folks just talking. When are we going to start doing something? Walk it. The Bible says the bottom line is what? Character. And the key to a good reputation is you gotta build that character in your life. The problem is, watch, I've realized that we are more interested in image management than we are in character development. We're more worried about our filters and what people think about us and, and how we look. 
How do I look? I got to manage my image. We're interested in image. How do I look? How do the people think that I look? A lot of my pictures you don't even know about. I look like I got a suit and tie and don't know. All I got down below is drawers. Y'all don't see that. Just drawers. Right. <laughs> Doing some online preaching. All I got is boxers on. You don't even know that. Come on. What? <laughs> Image man. <laughs> Image man. Thank God only Kim's there. Come on, somebody. Only. Image man, what do people think? How do I look? What happened to the old days when we took pictures and it was just a picture and you couldn't look at the picture? That's why growing up, you look back on all our pictures, we got crazy smiles, look crazy. We never could look at the picture. You had to get those developed. Come on, somebody. Now it takes an hour to get a picture. Be like, can I see it real quick? Can I check it real quick? Do I look all right? Ain't that right, Kim? Ain't that what you do? Is that all right? Just take the picture. <laughs> what does everybody think about me? Am I in style? See, we're interested in our image. We are interested in outward appearance. The Bible says that man looks at the outward appearance. Don't miss this. But God looks at the heart. James says if you judge people by their outward appearance, you're dumb. That's what he says. He said it's not wise to do that. He says judge people by their character, not by their appearance. Sometimes we make a mistake. We think, oh, that's, oh, that's the person I got to have in my life. They didn't look all right. You know what I realized? They're the craziest ones. Talk somebody. So today we're just going to start looking at some of the character qualities from the book of Proverbs. How many of you want a good reputation? Let me see. We're going to look at three this week, maybe three next. We're going to close this series out. And I guarantee you, the Bible promises you that if you will begin to build these qualities into your life, you will be respected. You will make a name for yourself. You will be successful from heaven's perspective. So the Bible says now in the book of Proverbs 27, 21, it says that reputation can be tested. So here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to use this teaching today and next week kind of like a test, okay? So today's going to be like a test. You can evaluate yourself and each one of these character qualities to see this. Do I earn the respect that I want so badly? Isn't that funny? We all want respect. We want it, but we're not willing to do what it takes to earn the respect of other people. Do I deserve it? Now remember, I'm a gospel preacher, so listen to me carefully. We don't earn God's favor. Can I get a good amen? amen? But we do earn the respect of other people. You cannot earn God's favor, but you do earn the respect of other people. Because how many of you know other people, they're not God? Okay, so, so favor from God is received by faith. Watch this. Favor from people, respect from people is a reward, it's not a gift, it's a reward from consistent hard work. A word we don't like to hear. But there is a difference between vertical righteousness and horizontal righteousness. And some of you get confused when I teach righteousness. Vertical righteousness has to do with your relationship with God. Horizontal righteousness has to do with your relationship with other people. Vertical righteousness is by faith. 
Watch this. Horizontal righteousness is by work. Why? Because your friends, the people around you, the people in your life, they are not God, and they have to see who you are by what you do. And you know what I realized? The more you are aware of your vertical righteousness, the more you'll have to give horizontally. The more aware you are of who you are vertically in Christ, in God, the reality is you'll have a whole lot to give to other people horizontally. Are y'all getting this? Somebody say yes. So number one, I want you to write this down quick. Respect is earned. I'm talking about with people. It is earned through integrity. Integrity. Proverbs 17, 7 says, respect, okay, I know I'm reading verses today that you probably don't have underlined in your Bible. Is anybody getting anything? Somebody say yes. Respected people do not tell lies. Malcolm Forbes, who started Forbes magazine, said, integrity is the basis for all true blue success. In other words, it is the foundation. It is the cornerstone. Without it, you do not have genuine success. Church, hear me. Where God is taking you, you've got to have integrity. Because I really believe America is in an integrity Crisis, a crisis of integrity. It is affecting every arena right now in our nation. Military, business, home, a political arena, church. We are in trouble to the point, how sad is this? The church isn't asking, the world is asking. What has happened? What has happened to ethics? What is going on? We have been assaulted by sleaze. We have been assaulted by scandals. We have been assaulted by hypocrisy. And America is searching for its bearings. That is called a crisis of integrity. And the Bible says that if you want to be respected, you've got to be a person of integrity. Proverbs 10 verse 9 says this, the man of integrity. I love this. Some of you wondering why you don't walk securely in life. You're always looking over your shoulder, wondering who's looking at you. Always living like, like, like they're going to catch you. Look at what it says. The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next week, maybe not next month, maybe not next year, but you will be found out. That's what I thought. I thought that's about what I'd get right there. In, in other words, the person of integrity, real simple. You ready for this? When you talk about the person of integrity, that person has no skeletons in their closet. When you don't have skeletons in your closet, that's why I preach the gospel. When you get a revelation of your new life and that the old you died, the reality is you can live free and you can live full and it's grace Titus 2 that teaches you to say no to ungodliness and live a life of overcoming everything that would overcome you. But the reality is some of you do not live securely. You do not live with confidence because you're always looking over your shoulder and you're wondering, are they going to find out who I really am? How about trying integrity? Are they going to find out that I lied? Proverbs 20, verse 7. I've been convicted this week. 
It is a wonderful heritage to have an honest father. I'm so thankful for the fathers in my life. I'm thankful for my dad. I'm thankful for an honest father. I want to be an honest father. One of the greatest gifts that I can give my children. Okay, let me take it a step further. One of the greatest gifts I can give my wife. Okay, let me take it a step further. The greatest gift I can give you as your pastor. The greatest gift I can give you. Are you ready for this? In that, in that, oh my God, oh my God, he can preach. Oh my God, look what he can do. Oh, look at, no, 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 no. I, I already know that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The greatest gift I can give you, watch this, is to be honest. Honesty. Honesty. The greatest gift I can give my children is to be a man of integrity so that my kids can say, when dad says it, it's the truth. And it never fails to amaze me how a single lie can undo an entire season of good. Because everything in our relationships run on the tracks of trust. And the moment you lie, watch this, everything on those tracks come to a screeching halt. Wow. So ask yourself this question. You ready? I told you it's going to be a test. How honest am I? One, I'm honest when it's convenient. Ten, I'm honest all the time. No, seriously, think about that. Think about what we're teaching our kids when you are home and the phone rings and you say, tell them I. Oh, I can see a bunch of you do that. Good. <laughs> okay, I'm moving on, y'all. Yo. If you want to be respected, it's earned through integrity. If y'all getting this, say yes. Number two, respect is earned through humility. Proverbs 29, 23 says, are you ready? Arrogance will bring your downfall, but if you are humble, you will be respected. You see that? Arrogance, pride, self-importance, big-headedness causes you to fall. As a matter of fact, here's a rhyme I made up. Be humble or you'll stumble. Be humble or you'll stumble. Remember the Bible says what? We looked at it. I believe it's Colossians. You want a tip for dressing for success? He said, clothe yourself in humility. That's never out of style. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The Bible says before honor is humility. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Wow. Y'all, even pastors can get prideful. When they think, you know, they're doing a good job. I, it makes me think of the very first time that I was invited to preach. Y'all, I got called to preach when I was 18 years old. So I was 19 years old. And my God, I thought I had arrived. Because, <laughs> you know, 19, 20, all through your 20s, that's when you think you know everything. Then in your 30s, you realize you don't know very much. Then in your 40s, you realize you don't know a stinking thing. And then finally in your 50s, 60s, 70s, you just start living and enjoying life because you know it don't matter anyway. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm about there. I'm about there. 
<laughs> so I thought I really had a word. My God, I'm 19. I got a word. I'm the hottest thing. I got a word. I didn't have no word. And I'm one of those guys, you know, I got a word. I better look good. I better do my part. So I, I went out. I couldn't afford nothing, but I had to buy some new shoes to preach it. So I got me some fake Stacy Adams. You don't know nothing about fake gators. Come on. <laughs> this is back when gators were the thing, Doc. They weren't gators. They were platers. They were plastic. Come on. <laughs> you don't want to wear them in the rain, Doc. They get <laughs> D, they mess up in the rain. So I, I wore them shoes, Doc. I walked in to preach like I was somebody. I was like, yeah. And that pastor got up. He was such a nice old guy. This is a little old Pentecostal church in Central California. This old guy's going to give me a chance. I'm so thankful for guys that gave me a chance. And he got up and, he, and, and he, he gave the best introduction. I hadn't done one thing in my life. And he's giving me a big old introduction. Oh, God, what a gift and all this stuff. And I was ready to preach. I'm, I'm off to the side. My, 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 my new wife's there. She, I don't even know if we were married yet. And, and, and she's there. Maybe we were engaged and she's there. And I'm like, my God, I'm going to preach. And, and, he, and he, said, he said, ladies and gentlemen, give a good hand clap. I don't know. There's a big crowd of like 30 people. And this is like, and this is and this is the first time I said, ladies and gentlemen, give a good hand clap. And I ran out there. I said, glory to God. Glory. And when I did, I slipped and fell on my <laughs> I fell on my back. And then I didn't know what to do. So I just act like I got the Holy Ghost. Glory, God, 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 glory to God. Act like I got the Holy Ghost. I was laying on my back and I look at Kim and she's just laughing at me. <laughs> the point is this. Pride goes before. If you're not humble, you're going to stumble. Someday I'm going to pull those shoes out for you. Someday I'm going to. I thank God for the people in my life who bring correction. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you don't have anybody in your life who can tell you no, you're in trouble. Some of you won't take correction. If my wife walked up to me today and said, you better stop this. Don't do this. I've made a commitment to her. If we're in agreement, I'm going with it. If you say no, I'm listening to your voice. Why do you think we have a board of directors? Why do you think I surround myself with some of the greatest voices in America that can talk and speak into my life? Why do you think I surround myself with people who will call me and say, Ben, what you're doing, stop. Don't do it. Quit. Don't do it. Stop. Listen, you got to have people in your life that can tell you, don't go down that road. Stop. Turn around. If some of you would look back at voices that spoke over your life, you would not be in the place you are right now. Are y'all getting this? Trusted voices who can speak into your life. Thank God for that. I love what Proverbs 13, 18 says, anyone who listens to correction is respected. Do you listen to correction? How easy it is for some of us. Maybe it's difficult. You know, to, to, to admit it. We just won't admit it when we're wrong. We just won't admit it. We won't, we won't admit when we're wrong. I, I recently read a story about a great leader over a great organization and made a major mistake, and everybody in the organization knew about it. And his, inici his initial reaction, this leader, his initial reaction is, I'm going to cover it up. You know what I've realized? Hey, listen, we all make mistakes, but the reality is it's dangerous when we start covering stuff up. 
Instead of admitting it, I was wrong. And I want to make it right. Our, our, our natural thought is what? To hide our weakness so people will respect us. But the Bible says, thank God, God's thought, that ain't, ain't not our thoughts. And before honor is humility. But the more honest we are about ourselves, here's what's crazy. The more honest we are about ourselves, the more people respect you. And so you know what that guy did? This leader got on the intercom and apologized to every person he hurt in that organization. And he thought to himself, I'm going down in their eyes. I'm going to lose value. I'm going to lose esteem. I'm going to lose respect. But contrary to that, because he humbled himself, did you know he became the most popular, respected leader in the organization? As a matter of fact, people came to him privately and said, I wish the people in my life, I wish I had parents sometimes who would admit when they're wrong. The whole family knows they're wrong, but they will not admit it. I wish there would be people who admit it. I, I said what I didn't want to say. I did what I didn't want to do. I admit it. And there's somebody in this place today who knows you did something you didn't want to do. You said something you didn't want to say. I got a word for you. The Bible says admit it and God will always give you another chance. And if you're thankful for that, clap your hands and give God praise right now. Come on. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. So humility, humility raises the value, people. It raises your value when you're honest. Okay, rate yourself, one to 10. How open am I to correction? How open am I? One, never open to correction. Lady, don't look at that man sitting next to you. Never open to correction. Can I just throw this out to some of you men? If you start listening to your wives, you may start winning in life. For real. The Bible says that God gave you a wife as a gift to speak into your life. The fact of the matter is, you got the Holy Spirit, you got a good wife, maybe you should start listening to her. Maybe that deal that you said, no, I'm going to do it anyway, and got your whole family into a heap of financial trouble, and she was telling you the whole time, don't do it! No, we're going to be rich on this lottery ticket. <laughs> so the Bible says respectability comes through character, and it comes first through earning respect through integrity, and then through humility. One more. We're going to gather around the Lord's table, and I'm going to tell you why. Because some of you that have felt so faithless, don't miss this. I'm going to get your eyes back on the one who is always faithful. There's no condemnation today. I want you to understand that you have been given the life of God. What I'm talking about today is not you trying to pull yourself up by your bootstrap and work this thing out. The reality is, if you'd allow the fruit of the Spirit of Christ to begin to flow in and through you, guess what? People will see Jesus. This is not a heavy burden. Jesus does the heavy lifting. It's just living. It's being who you are. It's stop with the games. Stop with the image management. Stop with all this. Here it is. Respect is earned through dependability. You know, we all admire people who can be counted on. Again, there are people in this church, you don't even know their names, and we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them. They're dependable. 
They're reliable, they're trustworthy, they're consistent, they're faithful. If you remember in this series, we've talked about true success being faithfulness. Proverbs 25, 15 says, like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of great gifts and he does not give. Have you ever met anybody like that? One of these days, I'm gonna. One of these days, I'm gonna. One of these days, I'm gonna. Well, I'm aiming to. Well, I'm aiming to. When are you gonna pull the trigger? Y'all know folks who are long on promises and short on performance. Napoleon once said, promise everything, deliver nothing. He would have been a great politician today. Come on, somebody. He really would. But over the years, we've had, I'm going I'm to pull the curtain back here a little bit and just share with you. Over the years here at Calvary Church, we have had projects in this church that take a lot of money where people made financial commitments. And you know what I've realized? Some of the largest gifts that were promised, none of them were ever kept. Large on promise, short on performance. There were people who made very low-key announcements about what they were going to give, and then there were people who made big announcements. They made a big deal out of their commitment, and watch this, they never made it. Do you want to know why? Listen to me. They weren't dependable. They weren't dependable. And I want to tell you, church, that I have been convicted about making promises. I've been convicted in recent days as a father about making promises to my kids that I'm not keeping. I have been convicted as a husband about making little promises to my wife that I'm not keeping to my kids. It's so easy when you're tired and you're busy just to want to get them out of your hair to make a promise. Well, we'll do it later. Well, I'm tired right now. And, and children begin to say, is dad dependable? Is dad reliable? Does he keep his promises? Can he be counted on? You want to know what Psalm 15, 4 and 5 says? He who keeps his oath, even when it hurts, will never be shaken. Here's how I want to say it, church. Reliability is what promotes stability. If you want stability in your life, there's got to be reliability. Reliability. I'm going to stop right here today because I really want to come to the Lord's table in just a moment, but I just want to say this. For six weeks, we have been on this series dealing with redefining success, and there's so much more. I think I can give 25 more talks on this deal, but I'm going to finish it, and I, and, and I thought I'd end this series with an illustration that I read the other day, and I couldn't believe it, and I just want to read it to you. It's, it's amazing, but is this success? This is the question. Is this success? And it tells the story of seven men who were eminently successful financially. All seven of these men uh, had, had made a name for themselves in the financial market. We would have said, oh my God, these people are such a success. They were the seven most financially successful men in the history of the world. And the story was this, that in the early 20s, I believe it was 1923, these men met at a hotel, all seven of them, in Chicago. The seven most financially successful men in history. And collectively, these tycoons controlled, are you ready for this, more wealth than there was in the United States Treasury. And all the newspapers at that time and all the magazines would write about these men and they would say this, all the young people need to follow what they're doing. All the young people need to follow what they're doing. And years later, let's see what happened to these seven men. Are you ready? Somebody say yes. 
Charles Schwab, the president of the largest independent steel company, lived on borrowed money the last five years of his life, and he died penniless. That's one. Two, Arthur Cutton, the greatest wheat speculator in history, died abroad insolvent. Three, Richard Whitley, the president of the New York Stock Exchange, served a prison sentence in Sing Sing Prison. Albert Fall, here's another one, a member of the president's cabinet at that time, was pardoned from prison so he could die at home. Jesse Livermore, the greatest bear in the history of Wall Street, you ready for this? Committed suicide. Leon Frazier, the president of the Bank of, of, of International Settlements, you ready for this? Committed suicide. Last one, number seven, they gathered in that hotel in Chicago, 1923, you ready? Ivan Kruger, the head of the world's greatest monopoly, you ready? Committed suicide. All seven, are you ready for this? They knew how to make a living, watch this, but they didn't know how to make a life. And you know what I've realized for a whole lot of us? We're working hard to make a living, but we don't know how to live the life God meant us to live. And, and, and Proverbs 10, 7 says, good people, look at, I just want to be remembered. Good people will be remembered as a blessing, but the wicked will be forgotten. When you die, what are people going to say about you? Are they going to say about me? Are they going to say, he was faithful. My God, I... He may not have been the richest man, but he was faithful to his wife. And he was faithful to his kids. And he was faithful to his church. He, he was faithful to what he was called to. Are they going to look at your life and say, well, you know, she was a nag. You know, she just, she nagged about everything. She never felt like she had enough. She was always complaining. I mean, what are they going to say about you? Well, he just never kept his word. He just wasn't dependable. He just never kept his word with anybody. I mean, what are they going to say? The Bible says that good people are remembered as a blessing. Wouldn't it be great to die and to have people say, that was a man of integrity. That was a man of humility. That was a man of dependability. And can I tell you today, the gospel in this whole thing is this. If that's what's required, then get a revelation of what you've been given. Because what you've been given is what you are required. And the Bible says that Jesus came to earth, died on the cross, rose from the grave, sent the Holy Spirit to live his life in and through you. You are not working this thing up. He says, I want to do the heavy lifting. I got the kind of character that it takes to live this God life, the life that you were meant to live. That's why the Bible says trust in the Lord in every area of your life with all your heart. And it says he will crown your efforts with good success. And when God gives success, he adds no sorrow with it. That can happen if you will allow the spirit to control your life. And I declare over you, you're not just going to make a living. Are you ready for this? You're going to make a life and if you believe it clap your hands and give God praise right now you want a name like that lift up your hands there's an anointing there is none like you stop saying change them say this no one else can change my heart like you do 
I could search for all eternity long. See, looking for success. But today I find there is none like you, Jesus. With hands lifted, every one of you, come on. There is none like you. Thank you, Jesus. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none I'd find there is none Lord I'd find there is none like you true success true success wow nobody moving before we gather around the Lord's table I want to say this quickly I, I just want to say that uh, I'm not a pastor who is constantly looking for Satan behind everything that's going wrong by no means I concentrate my attention on the gospel of grace. I always put your focus back on Jesus. That's why we're coming to the table. I'm one pastor that you can always know when we gather, you will have to look back at Jesus and everything he's already done. And I focus on the fact that he's defeated the enemy. Yet I am fully aware that Satan loves to destroy, or I would say this, he loves to attempt to destroy your life. He loves to attempt to destroy a church. And obviously Satan is limited. And God's church is secure. Would you do me a favor? Just move your feet a little bit because I just want to remind you today, you are on a sure foundation. You are stable. Just move your feet a little bit. I got to remind you, you are secure. You are stable in Jesus' name. The gates of hell will never overcome what God started. What God starts, he'll finish. But Satan certainly loves to disrupt what God's church is doing. That's why the Bible says this in 1 Peter 5. I felt like I wanted to read this over you today. You better be serious. I get it. Some of the stuff I'm teaching right now is serious, but you better hear me. Be serious. Be alert because your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion and he's looking for someone to devour with lies. And, and I thought about this week, three things that Satan tries, he uses to try to destroy a church or a family or a person. Watch this. One I would say is this, church conflict or family conflict. And Satan loves when, when church folks are arguing about trivial things or big things that really doesn't matter, show him a good argument potential. And let me tell you something, that enemy is willing to stir up the fire. Say it out loud, say, get behind me, Satan. How about this one right here, number two, rumors. Satan is the stir of dissension. He likes to plant little seeds of juicy stories about someone and watch them quickly spread. And the version, of course, usually grows to larger proportion as folks talk. But how many of you know Satan loves to use that stuff too? 
But here's the one that I've been on today. He loves, he loves to destroy a church. Are you ready for this? Through a lack of dependability. You remember what I said? Dependability promotes stability. There's a reason why you can have a stable life and a stable home and a stable church and a stable family and st stability when there's dependability. Let me give you other words we've been using in this series. Reliability, consistency, trust. Are y'all getting this? There's been some areas that I've asked you as a church to be dependable. I've asked you to be dependable when it comes to involvement in this church, to being a part of worship, telling your family, I don't know about everybody else, but as for me and my house, we're going to be dependable and we serve the Lord. So be a part of whether it's weekend worship experiences or weekday locations. Find a gospel circle. Be a part. Help open them up in cities everywhere. Be a part of what God's doing through your church. But then I said this, serving. And I want to thank God for over 300 people this month who said yes to serving in our church. To get up and say, I'll serve somewhere. I want to serve other people. I want to be a blessing. 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 Say it out loud. Say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. And then I've asked you this. To be dependable and faithful and trustworthy when it comes to your giving. Because there can be stability in a local church when everybody says we are going to do our part. And that's why I've encouraged every one of you every week during this series. And I'm not going to talk about it after this week. But I've told you, as a family, get in there on that homepage on the app. Get under that percentage scale and say, you know what? We're going to give God what's first and we're going to give Him what's best. And I'm going to ask you, church, right now, I need you to be dependable and reliable and trustworthy and faithful in this area and say, God, we trust you and we're going to give you what's first. I want the host to come forward right now and I want, I want all of us right now to go ahead and prepare our generosity. Before we come to the Lord's table, we're going to say yes as a church. Before we take that bread and that juice and we eat and we drink and we look to the faithful one, we're going to thank him for being faithful. We are blessed to be a blessing. And church, what God's called us to do takes all of us being dependable. Thanks to those of you that have set up your reoccurring giving so a church can budget and plan and prepare. Thanks to those of you who have stayed faithful. Even when you're not here and you're gone some week, you're faithful and you're generous. Thank you for your faithfulness. We can't do it without you. Everybody doing their part. So let's be faithful and watch what God does. Watch what he does in and through you. He's doing it through us right now. Father, I thank you for this moment and I thank you for this church. This has been a series that we've needed as we continue to move to the next dimension of grace. And we come to this moment holding in our hand gifts that represent your great gift to us. Now before we come to your table and we take the bread and the juice, we bring our greatest gift, the first, which represents you being the first of many. We bring it, and for some of us the most significant gift we give, it's the first gift we give, but it represents our trust. So we come to this moment now in Jesus' name.